0: What is up, everybody? It's the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jake Rowe with Dog 24-7. It's Just me this morning, bright and early. Uh, glad to be here. Very. I'm gonna go ahead and issue an apology though. I'm so sorry that my it's my mug and my mug only on the screen right now. Uh, it's it's freaking me out too. I don't like looking at it either. Uh, but uh, just me today. We're gonna do mailbag. Obviously, we're gonna. Do, I'm gonna talk about my Wednesday lean. And, uh, talk about a little bit of some of the things Kirby said yesterday in his press conference after practice, uh, and, and get to that. But, but, uh, and I think I'll do that first, obviously, I mean, George Pickens is now working a little bit on Georgia's scout team. Kirby, Kirby caught it competitive, getting some more competitive reps, uh, I still don't know what that means as far as return. Obviously, it's a good sign. It's a good sign that it's a good sign that he is in classes, engaged, all that stuff. I mean, I think when it, whenever this whole thing first came out, whenever the whole ACL thing first was there, I mean, I think you you had to be concerned as to whether or not George Pickens had you know played his last game on January first in that uh, Peach Bowl uh, against Cincinnati, whether George Pickens had played his last game as a Bulldog. Um, I think that's still a possibility. I do think it's a good sign that that he's working with the scout team, that he's out there, that he's engaged, that he's practicing, that he's trying to come back, rehabbing classes, all of that stuff. But I think I'm going to reserve judgment on whether or not I feel good about him coming back and feel good about him rejoining the team. until one, he's completely cleared and he's not. And, two, he's practicing in full. He's taking contact in practice. I think those things are the things you really have to – kind of watch for there because as of right now, it's, it's still a non-contact situation. Uh, It's still a situation where he's, uh, you know, he's not getting thudded up. He's, he's just out there working. Now, where I do think this helps Georgia is right now, immediately this week. And I say that because you've got George Pickens and Dominic Blaylock joining Jackson Meeks on the scout team this week. And they're the ones giving Georgia's defense or helping giving Georgia's defense a look for Tennessee, and I think that's that's huge. You know, we talked to Lewis seen. I think I mentioned this on on uh, Monday's pod. Talked to Lewis seen on Monday, and and you know, I asked him. I said, "Hey, put Lewis, put me inside your head. Uh, as far as you guys preparing for Tennessee, when you see that pace, when you see them running so many plays so quickly on film, does it does it you know make you? Does it feel like a challenge? I mean, how, how do you think about it? Does does it worry you?" And he said it worried him because he knew that Georgia in practice would try to go even faster by having two scout teams going and, and getting them, you know, getting it going like that. And so I think when you combine that with the fact that Georgia's got talented receivers, like Pickens, like Blaylock, like Meeks on the scout team this week, I think the defense is going to get a pretty good look uh, as far as Tennessee goes. And listen, that bleeds directly into uh, my leans. And uh, listen, I, i've gone back and forth on this and, and 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 hear me out here you know leading up to this week i've thought all right tennessee has got to be able tennessee doesn't have to be able to run the ball to throw the ball and then you start looking at some of the numbers you're like well that's not necessarily accurate tennessee's a very effective run team and they lean on the run game pretty heavily I believe it's right around 210 yards a game. They're pretty balanced, 240 a game on the through the air, 210 a game on the ground. So I, I do think Tennessee brings some balance. I do think Tennessee can do some of the things that have given Georgia trouble here recently. And I say trouble. Georgia has allowed 13 points in the last two games, so it's not a whole lot of trouble. Uh, but I do think Tennessee has the tools to give Georgia some trouble in the run game. And if it's able to do that, then I think it's going to open up some things in the passing game, this game being in Neyland Stadium where that offense can go a million without having to worry about things. I think all of that kind of stacks up against Georgia. My Wednesday lean is Georgia wins but doesn't cover. I think Tennessee is going to present a challenge for Georgia. I think there's there's probably a good chance, a decent chance. Just hearing Kirby Smart talk about it, listen, Kirby can be – Kirby respects the opponent, okay? And, and I think he's gotten that message across to his team. But Kirby's very, very um, aware of the trouble that that Tennessee's pace can cause. And and the fact that he's compared it to the triple option, something Rusty did as well. You can tell Rusty's tied in whenever Kirby starts saying stuff on Tuesday that Rusty said on Monday. Uh, You know, the the Rusty, you know, here's some good stuff and get some good information there. The fact that he's comparing it to the triple option, it just kind of makes me think that Kentucky's just weird enough, just unique enough to give this Georgia defense some trouble and make it adjust. And I think Georgia will adjust in a game like this. Um, But right now, my Wednesday lean, and we'll make picks tomorrow. And and listen, I've been known to change my mind by the hour, and my opinion doesn't really even matter as far as how the game goes. It's not like if I pick Georgia to cover, they're going to cover. And if I don't, they don't. But my lean right now is is Georgia, maybe probably a double digit win, but maybe not necessarily a three touchdown win, uh, and and we'll see kind of how that goes. But but I think that one thing that that's very much going to help Georgia this week is having that talent back on the scout team, and and the the ability and and Georgia's kind of wherewithal to to go above and beyond and trying to create that pace, but they won't quite be able to do it like Tennessee can do it. And uh, I think one of the big keys to this game is Georgia needs to dominate up front defensively because Tennessee's offensive line, especially when it comes to pass protection, has been a little bit off. I think they're averaging over three and a half sacks per game surrendered. By comparison, Georgia's averaging about three quarters of a sack per game uh, as far as surrendered sacks. Georgia's number one in the SEC in fewest sacks allowed, number one in the SEC in fewest tackles for a loss allowed. Tennessee's defense really relies on tackles for loss, they are number one in the SEC in tackles for loss generated. So those are all things like that to keep an eye on. But right now, I would say I I, I feel pretty good about Georgia winning this ball game. But I do think it's going to be a big time challenge. And getting Tennessee at this point in the year with Hendon Hooker playing the way he is, with Tennessee's wide receivers playing the way they are, with that scheme, with them a chance to kind of uh, iron out some wrinkles in the uh, in the offense to, to kind of get some things smoothed out i think Georgia's going to play a good team and, and i also think Tennessee's going to be up against a very very good defense and uh interested to see how this one plays out interested to head up to knoxville take a little scenic route not I, okay I, there's only so many times a man can drive through atlanta and chattanooga to try and get somewhere and i did that earlier this year to try to get to nashville ain't doing it again I am going to try to take the scenic route up this time, maybe head up 441 and and do it like that. But I'm very interested in this game. It's going to be a cold one. Kirby talked about that one at the press conference last night. Um, talked about how it's an outside factor. They don't control it. They don't think about it because that those are the kind of things, those are kind of pre-formulated excuses uh, for, how, for if you don't play well. As well, it was cold. It was this, the conditions. And that's not something that Georgia's thinking about or Georgia can emulate. And it's going to be true. Uh evening fall football in Knoxville on Saturday. Let's take a break here, real quick, and I'm going to get to some of your mailbag questions on the other side of this thing. Okay, E etch. Rocks? I'm not I see this name on the board a lot, man, and I am so sorry if I if I'm pronouncing it wrong. But Etchrox says, Does JT Daniels start again this season? That is a really good question. <sighs> Man, I I really think there's a better chance than a lot of the – I know the fact that Stetson Bennett is the starter right now, and this is Stetson's team for the time being, Stetson's offense. I know that has some people very cynical about Georgia's quarterback situation, but I do think that there is a very, you know, spirited competition going on and that JT Daniels is working trying to earn this job back. Now, I don't think JT's back at peak form, and I think he showed that on Saturday – um, you know that ball he left behind Burton you know I went back and watched that I'm not so sure that Burton didn't press his route a little further upfield than he should have or if that JT wasn't expecting him to hook up I don't know um but but I do know that that the optics of it was that that ball was just a little bit off and uh but but I do think JT's gonna keep competing for this thing if you if you had to make me if you made me bet on it um, and I got to choose the amount I would put a very small amount on yes. He does start another game this season, and I say that because Stetson's not a very big guy, and while he doesn't really take hits, he runs around with it a little bit, and at some point, maybe he is going to take a hit, and and and, you know JT's going to have to do that thing a couple of times. You know, Stetson did get hurt last year. That kind of opened the door for JT Daniels to start again. But I think JT Daniels, from everything I've heard, has gotten better and better as he's uh, as he's gotten further removed from that lat injury, as he's kind of shaking the rust off. And I think there is a good chance that he he does end up starting a game. At the very least, ends up playing some meaningful minutes for Georgia and and kind of uh, has a chance to show what he can do and maybe, you know, get that job back um, at some point this year. And, and like I've said all along, guys, Having both of these guys healthy is huge because Georgia's got a spark if it needs it, and when you're a when you're a football team of the caliber that Georgia is, you're ranked number one. If you've got a spark, if you need it at quarterback, Alabama showed us in 2017. You need that. You need it. You need to have that spark just in case it's available. And they had one in Tua, and then they, you know, it didn't really seem like it was going to be a spark in 2018, but they got it from Jalen Hurts as well. And I think Georgia's got two quarterbacks, two different quarterbacks, who can who can give them that spark if it's needed. Visor Dog, how many starters on the defense are guaranteed to return for 2022? Jalen Carter, guaranteed to return. Keely Ringo, that's another one. Um... I really don't. I really wouldn't say beyond those two that I you know and Jalen Carter I guess is not even technically a starter. Um, I think there's a good chance Nolan Smith comes back. Um, I think there's a chance that Georgia's going to get an inside linebacker back. Well, whether it's Quay Walker or Channing Tindall on a COVID year, or Nakobe Dean coming back for his senior year, I think Georgia has a chance to get an get an inside linebacker back. I, I really do think Nolan Smith is a guy. There's I think there's a just from the feel of it and some people I've talked to at this point in the year. And this may change with, with Adam Anderson's absence and Nolan Smith maybe getting some more opportunities. But I think Nolan Smith is a guy who loves Georgia and has a chance to continually build on, on a, on a resume uh, to play, uh, to play edge rusher in the NFL and to maybe build on an NFL, you know, profile, I would say. So I think that's a chance. So, you know, guaranteed Jalen Carter and Keely Ringo, uh, Outside of that, um, it wouldn't surprise me if Lewis Seen came back. It wouldn't surprise me if Nolan Smith came back. It wouldn't shock me completely. It'd surprise me a little bit. wouldn't surprise me completely if uh, if Nakobe Dean came back. And I think all of those guys would be absolute massive uh, additions. Devontae Wyatt is absolutely gone. I think Devontae Wyatt may be the only guy who is absolutely 100% for sure gone. I think everybody else could come back if they wanted to. But um, but but Wyatt is the one that has to go. He's the only super senior, him and Julian Rochester, on that defense. And uh, shout out to Julian Rochester, man. Uh, listen, I got to know this kid in his, in his recruitment. Uh, shows you how long ago he signed with Georgia because I was covering some recruiting at the time. Love him. You know, I, I've spoken highly of Demetrius Robertson and just how good of a human being he is. Uh, but Julian Rochester is right there as well. i really glad to see him fight his way back to the field, and uh, we'll see if he travels to Knoxville and gets a chance to play this weekend. Uh, King Georgia, who has the better game against Tennessee, Jermaine Burton or Brock Bowers? Uh, hmm. You know, I, I think Tennessee is going to have to pay attention to Brock Bowers. I think we're still in that that period of time where teams are are having to make sure – that they that they pay a lot of attention to Brock Bowers and they maybe limit him and I think he's getting he's the guy that's getting some safety help. I, I'm gonna go with Jermaine Burton and, and I'm gonna go with Jermaine Burton just because I think Stetson showed last week that there's a rapport there that Jermaine showed last week that he's back in the flow and and to me the targets the efficiency the 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 competitiveness of, of the way he played. I think that's gotten him back into the flow and maybe he got him, gotten him completely mentally checked in. So I'm going to go with Jermaine Burton there. Uh, but I will say this, one thing about Brock Bowers, that's, that's, that's just so atypical of a tight end is you can find ways to get in the ball and it doesn't have to be beyond the line of scrimmage. And Georgia has shown that they'll do that. And, uh, that's a, um, that's a way to look at it. Beezer who gets the majority of the reps in, in place of Adam Anderson, you know, obviously Robert Beal's snap count goes up. I think that's the number one guy you look to. And while Kirby kind of poo pooed this a little bit when I asked him about it after the game on Saturday, I think some of the inside linebackers are going to take on some of Adam's role. Uh, Quay Walker, Channing Tindall. Uh, you know, you see those guys rushing from the edge. Some I think they're going to take on some of the spy and space responsibilities. Um, and and so that's that, that's kind of the what I see going on there as well. Uh, but as far as as far as like who gets the you know the most um, the most reps in his place, I would definitely, um, you know, I, w- I would definitely say Robert Beale is the one that, that has the chance to kind of, uh, you know, secure the most there. And uh, hold on, I got an audio fix issue. I got to fix it real quick. Sorry about that. Uh, but yeah, so I think that's, that's who you're looking at. Robert Beal mainly, but I think it's going to be a by committee effort. And another thing I'll point out, out here too, as long as Adam Anderson is out, And we don't know how long that's going to be. And I'm not really going to touch anything about him wanting to come back or that situation in general, not on this show. But I also think that Georgia has to kind of change the way it does things. Not necessarily like wholesale changes, but maybe you turn Trayvon Walker loose a little bit more. Maybe you turn Jalen Carter loose a little bit more. Uh, Maybe you, you know, kind of come up with some different stuff in the blitz, maybe some more straight up pass rush type stuff because Anderson was so effective on those stunts. Uh, and, and and the ability to do that. You change up who you're going to spy the quarterback with. Maybe you use somebody a little bit closer uh, to the line of scrimmage, maybe in the secondary um, in in times. So uh, th- those are some things that I would definitely, um, you know, suspect Georgia would kind of look at. All right, Lil Penny, Tennessee's giving up over 200 yards rushing to four of their six SEC games, giving up over 300 yards passing in three of the six. Where do you see Georgia attacking them more? I think George is going to have more success through the air. And I say that because teams have, have shown you time and time and time again, everybody except Arkansas has shown you that they're going to come up and try to stop George's run game first. And, uh, you know, that's Kirby Smart's philosophy as well. You want to stop the run first, make a team one-dimensional, kind of take away that physical element of the offense. I think Tennessee's going to come up and do that, and I think Georgia, more so than last week against Missouri, is going to be willing to take those shots over the top and throw the football. I, I do think you got to get a little bit of a run game going because if you don't, you take play action out of any offense, especially this Georgia offense, and it's going to limit it a little bit. And so I think Georgia's going to have to get a little bit of a run game going. But but I do think there's going to be more success through the air um, in this game. And, you know, I could see a situation where Georgia hits a couple, two or three really big plays. And Georgia's been really explosive in the past game of late. You look at the number of 30-plus yard plays, and I know 20-plus yard plays have kind of been a buzzword for me. But you look at 30-plus yard plays, Georgia has created quite a few of them over the last couple of weeks. And, and Georgia's averaging, I said this on last podcast, Every six pass attempts, Georgia's completing a pass of 20 yards or more, and that is right on par with some of the elite offenses we've seen the last few years. Alabama had 5.9. It won every 5.9 attempts last year. LSU was 6.4 the year before that. All right, Brian Bivens, how does Tennessee's D match up with Georgia's offense our offensive line is to get better. Hey, listen, man, I, I went back and I watched that Georgia-Missouri uh, that georgia uh, Missouri game multiple times, Georgia-Florida game as well. I don't think Georgia's offensive line played poorly in either game outside of pass protection in the first quarter of the Florida game. Um, you can go back and you can watch Georgia get it done at the point of attack so many times against Missouri, only to have not one but two unblocked defenders in there. And, and your George is going to be stubborn with the run game and running against some of those stag boxes. Um, you know, Tennessee's run defense is not great. Tennessee's pass defense is not great. Tennessee's offense is clicking. And I think they're perfectly willing to try and play in a shootout if they, if they can, it's going to be tough to play George in a shootout because it's tough to put up shootout points against that defense. Uh, but, but I, I think Georgia's defense offense matches up really well because of the balance, because, you can, you're going to have to pick your poison a little bit against Georgia uh, offensively because they're a big play passing attack and they're a grinded out death by a thousand cuts type thing in the run game. One thing I will say, though, is with Stetson Bennett at quarterback, something you're seeing more of week to week is Georgia is extending the run game with Stetson Bennett's arm. They do it much better with JT Daniels, those quick throws, those easy throws. JT has been more effective with those on a large scale, but Stetson extends the run game with his with his feet, and he's also doing it more with his arm. So you, you may see more of that against Tennessee as well. Tyler S., uh, all the different S names I can think of here uh, for last there, but uh, do you think Monk will try to establish a run game in order to win time of possession and give our defense some room to breathe against the balls? Uh, assuming they're more relaxed than Mizzou, um, I don't think they'll be more relaxed uh, against the run. I think I think Tennessee is probably going to stack the box and make Georgia throw the football um, because I think to be if Tennessee feels confident they can get in a shootout. I don't think they want to die death by a thousand cuts and let Georgia kind of ground out those five, six, seven, you know, 10-yard carries. I think they're going to say, hey, if you want to throw it over the top and get us, then we're going to come back and try to do the same thing to you. Um, and, and they're going to stop the run game. And and I don't necessarily know that time of possession is all that big of a factor. It's definitely not a factor for Tennessee. You know, I was I was, you know, reading some stuff from Wes Rucker our uh, our Go Vols 24-17 beat rider over there, and it does an incredible job. And one of the things I noticed that West ha- was talking about was that Josh Heupel just doesn't care about time of possession. He wants to put up points. And Georgia has shown a willingness to get away from time of possession as well and, and and try to put up points and be explosive. I don't think you've got two teams that are just absolutely dead set on doing it. Listen, Kentucky dominated time of possession last week against Tennessee and gave up 45 points. Georgia's better defensively than Kentucky. You look back at that Georgia-Kentucky game, I think Georgia had nine plays, generated nine plays in one ball game of 20 yards or more. So Kentucky is susceptible to the big play, whereas Georgia is not so much. But I don't think you come into a game like this against a team that, quite frankly, listen, got a lot of respect for Tennessee. I think Tennessee has the opportunity to give Georgia a bigger challenge than it has faced all year. But Georgia's more talented. One to 85 more talented, one to 22, more talented, one to 50, more talented. And I don't think you, you as a staff can go into a game where you're the more talented football team, where you're the more complete football team and say, Oh, we got to win time of possession. That's something you do when you may be a little bit outmanned or you're really worried about uh, a a team's ability just to kind of, you know, mercy you a little bit and kind of lock, lock fingers with you and, and put you on your knees. Uh, I don't think Tennessee's quite there yet. Um, so I don't think time of possession is going to be a big factor um, in this game. Uh, what are you hearing on Shamar James, Shane O'Mac, 21? I think Shamar, Georgia's in this, Alabama's in this. Uh, you know, both teams are absolutely in it. I will say I had a college defensive coordinator tell me about Shamar James that he's he's one of, if not the best linebacker prospect in the country. He can do a little bit of everything. He's very similar to me to Jalen Walker uh, in that he can play inside. You could rush him from the edge. He could do some Quay Walker type stuff. Uh, he's that kind of player. And, uh, you know, Georgia's very much in it, but Alabama's the home state school. Alabama has a lot of ties down there where he's from, uh, which I believe is Mobile, Alabama. It's going to be tough to beat Alabama in this one, but Georgia's got themselves in position. And, and you know, I think that that he's a guy that um, that, that is a very good player, and uh and i think george is going to go all out for him here down the stretch and try to make that one happen all right guys that's all we got for mailbag questions uh i really appreciate everybody joining me today again my sincerest apologies for you having to look at my scraggly face and just my scraggly face i mean i know listen rusty and kip they're not gorgeous either uh but at least you get to look at different you know levels of ugly and, and i'm not even you know they're prettier than i am for sure uh but but just me today and i hope i got all to got to plenty of your questions and uh, we'll be back tomorrow hopefully with a full staff to do our picks and player of the game predictions and 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 one big thing on this game but for this episode of the junkyard Dogcast, i'm jake rowe with dogs 24 7 y'all take it easy